And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Hey everyone at Hope Culture Church, thank you for your amazing generosity. God has used your kingdom builders giving to empower a global movement of compassion that's producing results that are truly remarkable. Thank you so much for your trust. Because of our partnership with you, 2023 has been another miraculous year. With your help, we responded to more than 75 disasters and humanitarian crises around the world, empowered and equipped over 34,000 women and girls, trained 25,000 farmers in sustainable best practices, and together with your help, we fed more than 530,000 children in 33 different countries. We also hit two milestones. Since 1994, we've now served over 200 million people and distributed over $2 billion in supplies. Together, we're bringing light to dark places and delivering hope to people who need it the most. So on behalf of everyone at Convoy of Hope, every farmer trained, every woman and girl empowered, every disaster survivor, and every child fed, thank you. Awesome. That's thanks to you guys and other partners of Convoy. I mean, those numbers are enormous. Those are huge. That many people served. Uh, over 75 disasters that they were able to help with this year alone. Uh, 34,000 women empowered. 25,000 farmers taught sustainable practices. Over 530,000 kids fed from 33 countries. I love that. Thank you guys for your generous giving. Uh, Convoys is thankful. They, they've sent us that video and, and multiple emails. They're just grateful for your partnership and your Kingdom Builders giving. Uh, it is Kingdom Builders Sunday. If you are new or you've only been around for a little bit, you're like, what is Kingdom Builders? Don't worry. Uh, you'll, you'll figure it out by the end, kind of what it is and what it's all about. Uh, but also, it's a little unique of a Sunday for you to be here, but that's a good thing. It's like you get to see our inside scoop of like our heart and how we care about the world. We're not just concerned about what happens only in this room. We're, we have a, a heart for people to find hope and follow Jesus here, near, far away. Uh, and so we're grateful. Uh, but come back next week. It'll be a little more normal of a service. We'll, we'll jump into Christmas and, and all of that. Uh, I'm excited about Kingdom Builders Sunday. We're going to talk about generosity. Uh, and generosity is, is something that I love so much. Um, I love talking about it. I love learning about it. I feel like I keep learning more year after year. Um, and that encourages me because every time I'm like, okay, I, th I think I'm getting it more, God. And then he's like, but what about this? And he just opens up my eyes to something new. So I just want to share a bunch of different thoughts about generosity um, because it's so important. And generosity is bigger than finances, but it includes finances. I feel, I feel like that's worth saying. You know, like generosity is so much more than finances. It's, your, it's the way you interact with people. It's how you serve people. It's how you love people. It's how you create time for people. It's how you sacrifice for people in all these different ways. Uh, but it does also include finances. So it's not just that, but it includes that. Because sometimes we want to be like, well, I'm generous with all these other things, so I don't have to be generous with that. Generosity is not supposed to just be compartmentalized in any one area of our life. It's our whole life. It's a mindset and a lifestyle. As we went through our mind, uh, our series on the mind, we change your mind, that last week I did mind shifts and I talk about some different ways we need to change our mind. And one of them had to do with scarcity and abundance. 
with how we view God and how we view the world? Do we view God as a generous and gracious host who's created things for us to live? Do we view him as our provider and how that changes everything else? For me, if I want to live, this is, this is for me. These are literally the beginning of the message is, is these are the principles that I hold on to to build my foundation of generosity in my own life. And if I want to build a life that's generous because I think that reflects God well, I need a starting point for that foundation. And so I want to give a few of those to you and then we're going to jump into some other, other aspects of generosity. The first thing that I need if I'm going to be generous is to trust that in God, because of God, I have what I need. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in Psalm 23, this well-known psalm that we often only read at funerals, but it's so good at other moments of our life where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then depending on your version, it says, I shall not want, I lack nothing, I have what I need. All of those different translations are saying the same thing. That if God is watching over you as a shepherd watches over your sheep, He's going to take care of your needs. Think of that imagery of a shepherd and, and how they lead their sheep. They make sure they have water. They make sure they have green pastures to lie down on. That God is our provider. And the more I grow in my understanding that God cares for me, the easier it is for me to be generous. The greater my understanding of God as provider, the more generosity flows out of that. If I think I'm my provider, then... I'm going to be less generous. And that's not, a, that's not an on or off switch. That's not like I, I know that God's my provider or I don't. It's a growing in understanding. What does that mean that you're my provider? How do you provide for opportunities and resources? The second part of that with, with under that same umbrella of him meeting your needs is that he cares for you. That he cares for you. Like because of God, I have what I need, including care. Like he'll take care of me. Um, this is the idea of like scarcity and there's always enough. And this is something we talk to our kids out about a lot um, because I don't know about you, everybody is naturally born with a, a mentality of I have to get what I need. I need to take care of it. And I, I remember God speaking to me specifically about generosity and abundance through my kids' interaction with food in the house. And like our kids have a great relationship with food, but it's something early on we would talk about is like, hey, you don't have to worry. Like they can have that cookie too, or they can have that too, because there's always more. Have we ever not bought groceries? Have we ever, you know, and it's just like teaching them to trust us. And that's what we need to have with God. Like just trusting he is our provider. He'll take care of our needs. That second thing is everything I have belongs to God. That first principle is I need, I need to understand that it comes from God. And then secondly, because of that, I need to understand that it belongs to him in the first place. That he's not just my provider, that, that he's actually the owner of all of those things. I love Psalm 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything belongs to him. When you start to view yourself not as the owner, but as the steward, it changes everything. This idea of stewardship, we hear it in other areas of life, but it's talked about a lot in churches and in the Christian world because it's something Jesus talks about. In Matthew 25, Jesus shares this story, this made-up story. It's called a parable where he has three different servants that the master gives different amounts to. He gives a lot to one and, and less to another and then even less to one, and he, he tells them to be faithful with it. 
Well, he comes back later and he checks in with what they did. And the first one had multiplied everything God had given them, his master had given them. The second one did the same. And the third one was like, I was scared and I didn't do anything with it. And what, what the master was most concerned about and Jesus' point of the story is, it doesn't matter how much you're given, it just matters what you do with it. And, and the beauty was, you're reminded that it was the master who gave it to them in the first place. It wasn't theirs. They were just managers. They were just taking care of what had been given them. And when we begin to view everything God has given us that way, it changes how we use it. This isn't mine. This is the idea, like, if you, if you have the privilege of having somebody who helps you invest your money, they help you with it, but it's not their money, right? Like, if you have a retirement account and somebody's like, I, I'm going to help you diversify it and put in all these different things, like, it's not their money. It's your money. And you're like, I'm expecting a return on that. I'm expecting you to do something with it. And that's how God views us, that we're stewards and that he's like, I've given you all of these resources to care for. These resources are more than finances. The word stewardship is even used outside of finances. I love um, what Peter says. He says that you would steward the gifts that God has given you by his varied grace. He's like, God has given all of us different graces for different gifts. We all have the same grace to be saved, but we have different graces to do the things that God is asking us to do. Different giftings. Our job is stewardship. God, am I using the resources? Am I using the gifts? Am I using the time? Am I using the influence in a way that pleases you? In a way that honors you? The more I'm given, the more I'm responsible for. You know, I think sometimes so often we're, we're always thinking like, I'll be generous at the next stage. And we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago with that mindset is that generosity has nothing to do with how much you have. It, it's, a, it's about the way you view what you have and how you share it with others. And so the more you're given, the more you're responsible to steward that well. I was listening to a podcast recently where the Bible Project interviewed two um, Harvard business alums who went to Harvard Business School, and both of them went into school with the mentality, I want to make as much money as possible. And they were both Christians ahead of time, and they were, they were tithing, and we've talked about tithe. Actually, we got our Spotify wrapped from our podcast this year. It's one of our most listened to messages about tithing from earlier this year. So everybody's curious about it. What does it mean? Is it just for the Old Testament? Go listen to it. It's, it's good. I don't have time to talk about it right now. But um, these guys were like, we, we tithe and that's good enough for us. Like, you know, basically we view that as a membership to, to do, to, for God to be happy with us and be a part of our church and all of that. And then their view radically changes. They go through the whole process we talked about earlier in the year where they're like, wait, is tithing a New Testament principle or is it an Old Testament principle? Is the new standard generosity? And they're radically rocked. It's a great interview. You should listen to it if you have time. Text me about it later. Email me about it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where to find it. But they, their whole perspective on generosity changes, and they realize this, this has cost me more than I thought it would to live a generous life that pleases God. The last thing about being a steward and understanding that everything I have belongs to God is that I will give an account. And I understand that. And that keeps me up. That, not just for finances, that keeps me awake for everything. God, you've given me this gift or you've given me this influence or you've given me this. And at some point, I'm going to stand in front of you because of it. Did I steward that well? 
Because that's the end of the parable with the three servants, is they all come back and give a report to their master. And the first two he's pleased with and he gives them more. And the last one he's upset with and he takes away what he even had in the first place. Is that at some point we give an account. The third principle for me is that I focus on sowing and not on reaping. I focus on sowing, not on reaping. I think so often we measure by what we reap. Do you guys get sowing and reaping? This is just planting and harvesting in Bible words. This is like you, you planted a seed in your garden, but it doesn't grow until a different time. There's principles all throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, applied to all of these different things about reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow. You don't plant an apple seed and grow an orange tree. You know, like you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap at a different time than you sow. And you reap if you don't give up. Those are biblical principles for sowing and reaping. And here's the thing is when I think about sowing and reaping, I'm thinking about my future self too. But I'm thinking my future self is counting on my present self. And if I want to reap a harvest, whether it's in this life or the life to come, I just want to be concerned with sowing. I'm just going to be focused on planting seeds, whether that's with my giftings or my time or my energy or my finances. I just, I want to give. I want to focus on, because I know this principle. If I focus on sowing, God will take care of reaping, right? It's not my job for those things to grow, for those things to flourish in the way I expect them to. I don't know in what area God is going to, to create an abundance or, you know, tenfold or hundredfold to use Bible terms. I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm just focused on sowing. So these are my foundational principles for generosity. Just me personally. You can borrow them if you want. You can keep them. But for me, I need to remember God is my provider. In him, I have what I need. Not everything I want, but everything I need. Because he's my provider, everything I have belongs to him. I'm just a manager. It's not mine. And third, I'm just more focused on sowing rather than reaping. John Maxwell is a well-known leader, uh, somebody who's been in leadership for so long, is so rich. He's written like 80-something books. I don't know. Some of you haven't even read that many books. That's a lot of books. Like... Stephen laughed. I'm throwing him under the bus. He doesn't read. I'm trying to get him to read. We talk about it all the time. That's my brother. I'm allowed to pick on him occasionally. He gets me back later. Um, but John Maxwell, he's like, if I were to boil down all of these thoughts on relationships, if I were to, you know, take these different principles, he's like, and overly simplify it, he's like, everybody is a plus or a minus. You're either somebody who's adding to people's lives or you're somebody who's needing to be added to, you know, and you know these people in your life because sometimes they walk in the room and you're like, oh yeah, I'm so glad they're here. Every time I'm with them, I feel encouraged or every time this, and then you know those other people that sometimes you're just like, do I have something else I need to be doing right now? And you're like, you know, none of you think that. You guys are all so holy and I appreciate that. You guys are the best. But, but Sometimes we think these things, and everybody has seasons and moments of both. Like, it's not like you can never be in need. I'm not saying that. We're vulnerable. We, we need each other. We're in community. But are we living lives where we're thinking that way? How can I 
add value to this person. Since I heard John Maxwell say that, like, I think like that. I try to. Like, I, I think that before a phone call. I think that before a meeting. If I know somebody's going to be calling me, I'm thinking, how can I add value to this person's life? Like, how, how can I make sure that at the end of the conversation, they feel like I helped them or blessed them or encouraged them, that, that they leave feeling like they received something? It's, for me, I like to think uh, in percentages because I like numbers and I like all that. So I'm like, if I were to just think impractically, I want to always think 40%, 60%. Like not, and that's not a hard rule, but that's just like the mentality I want to have so that it's like, even in the little stuff, like if I split something with somebody, I'm just going to want the littler one. Like I want to give them the bigger one. Like that's just, that's just how I want to think because if I have that internalized, I'm going to live a generous life. Like, if I'm like, I don't need the bigger one. Like, God has taken care of all I need. He's taken care of more than all I need. And he's, it's not mine anyways. It's all his. And I'm just going to focus on sowing. I'm always looking for opportunities to sow. I'm like, how can I be a plus? How can I leave this person encouraged? How can I, this is going to help you more than just finances. Like, this is going to help you if you're married. This will help you in your marriage. Think about how you can be a plus. Be like, and don't keep track. Don't be like, I sowed. When am I going to reap? Don't, that's not what I'm talking about. This, like, love keeps no record of wrongs. I think love shouldn't even keep record of rights. Like, you shouldn't even be like keeping track of, of they owe me and this is going to balance out. This is just like, I'm just sowing. That will help you. That's just free marriage advice on a generosity talk. Like, be a plus. And it doesn't even, bigger than marriage, like with your boss, yeah. with your employees, with your peers, like with your friends, like be a plus. Everybody wants to be around a plus. Like, no, you know those people in your life who are like, every time I'm with them, it's better. Like, I leave more joyful. I leave encouraged. Let's be those, those people. Generosity, the first point had three subpoints, and then this is just a chaotic message, more than normal. Usually, usually I have like real, real structure, and it is structured. But trust me, this is going to come together. The first point, thanks, Matt, for the laugh. I appreciate that. Uh, generosity is a mindset and a lifestyle. The second thing is generosity builds your faith. This goes both ways. Your faith builds your generosity, and your generosity builds your faith. Like, Paul wrote to Timothy, and Timothy, he's, he's a pastor in training. Like he is pastoring, but he's also like getting training from Paul. And Paul's like, these are the things you got to do. This is what you got to think about. And he, he straight up tells him, he goes, teach people to be generous. Like, look at this. This is what it says in first Timothy. Teach those who are rich in this world, not to be proud and not to trust in their money. That is such a temptation for all of us to trust in our money. That as long as I got all that, like, then I, can, then I can do what I need to do. Like, we put, if you're wondering if you put your trust in it, it's like when you don't have it, are you stressed out and anxious? Like, all of us put too much trust in it. It's, it's something we're growing in. He's like, but tell people not to do that, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He, he's telling Timothy, hey, remember, encourage everybody to be generous because generosity actually guards your heart. It helps you from putting your trust in the wrong thing, which is so easy to do. Like that old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Like it's easy to rem slowly trust God less in an area. Like, of course I trust God, but, but also like I need to make sure all these things and, you know, we start to put our trust in the wrong spots. Tell them to use their money to do good. 
I love how specific Paul's just like, hey, if you want to be a good pastor to people, tell them to use their money for good. Like, tell them to, to do good things with their finances. And then he's like, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. There's so much of a relationship between our generosity and our trust. If you are a highly generous, show me somebody who's generous, I'll show you somebody who probably trusts God. Because they're like, he's got it. I trust, I trust that he's going to use those things to multiply. I trust that he's going to take care of my needs because that's sacrifice. That, that costs me something. It also helps keep our heart in the right place, right? Like Jesus told us there's a connection between our possessions and our heart. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so part of what Paul is doing in telling Timothy to do this is he's helping us guard our heart. He's like, hey, make sure not all of your treasure is one spot. Make sure some of it's stored up in heaven because your heart is going to follow it. This isn't a financial issue. This is a heart issue. Like, do you trust God? I like that he says, be ready. Always being ready to share with others. I grew up playing sports. I know you can tell. I didn't even have to say that. But <laughs> I grew up playing sports. I'm just kidding, joking around. Um, and they would, no matter the sport, there was some version of the ready stance. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're like, be in the ready stance. And like, I've coached some of my kids' sports, and I'm always telling the kids, you got to be ready. Because when you're playing baseball with six-year-olds, they're not ready. They're like looking the wrong direction. I'm like yelling at the outfielders because the pitcher's about to throw it and they're looking over there or they're picking the dandelions and you're like, you gotta be ready. Like in the ready position, like looking the right direction. And I like, that's the imagery I get when he's like, always be ready to do good. Because always being ready has expectation attached for it. You're looking for opportunities. It's not just a like, well, if the right thing. No, it's like I'm looking for it actively. I'm looking for the opportunity to make a difference. I love the idea of, you know, our heart being attached to it too. And like, this is a way. Like, my, as I grow in generosity, I, it's, it gets easier for me to do because my heart is more fully in it than it ever has been. Like, it's the same way as if you ever invest for the first time in your retirement, it's the first time you ever care about the stock market. Even if you don't know anything about it, you're like, oh, it's not good today. That's not good. I don't even know what that means, but it's not good. And it's like, because for the first time, your heart is attached to it. You're like, when you're growing up before that, you're like, I don't care about the stock market. It doesn't mean anything to me. But our heart follows our investment. Generosity builds the kingdom. Generosity builds the kingdom. You know, there's so many ways that generosity builds the kingdom. I could spend a whole message on each one of these small things. But the way God works is partnering with his people. That he told Peter, you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he gave him the keys of the kingdom. He's, he's saying, guys, you know, this is being handed over to you. You are the church, each individual person, and the church 
is what ushers in the kingdom of God. So be generous with your finances. Be generous with your giftings. That all of you are different parts of the body. You have different ways that you encourage, that you use your gifts to equip and train and provide ministry for and encourage. He's like, do all of those things so that you can see God's kingdom more fully show up around you. Jesus, in his famous sermon, he says in Matthew 5, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I love this imagery. He's like, let your good deeds shine. Like there's light. You know, we read in the Advent lighting of the candle at the beginning of service that the reason we light candles at Advent time is because Jesus came as the light of the world. And so all we're doing when we shine light and do the good things God is asking us to do, is we're just many representations of Christ to the world around us. We're just like, hey, the only reason I have anything to shine is because a bigger light has already shown. Jesus has come. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So if we want to build the kingdom, we got to shine brightly. The second thing is, is we got to not give up. Not give up. You can't quit. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Because it's, it's one thing, you know, on a Sunday to get encouraged or on a weeknight when we do something to get encouraged or you have a great community group, small group moment and you're like fired up and you start doing the right thing or whatever that thing is that God spoke to you in that moment and you move in that direction, but then you're all of a sudden two weeks later, you're like a little tired of it. You're like, that was good. I'm tired. I tried. I gave it my best. But what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia is he's like, hey, this isn't just doing it sometimes. It's not like turn your light on once a week or once a month or for a month a year or, or occasionally. It's let your light shine and don't stop. Don't give up. Keep doing it. Keep sowing. Because if you don't get tired of doing what is good, you will see a harvest. The last thing is Jesus is the one who actually builds it. We shine, we don't quit. But we know that it's always these two things. It's the grace of God and the generosity of his people that moves the kingdom forward. Without God, we can't. Without us, he usually doesn't. He's asking us to participate. But when we participate, it's with the knowledge that this is him working in us and through us. Jesus, I quoted this earlier, he said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Will not conquer it. I love that imagery, right? The gates of hell or the gates of Hades, whatever your translation says, he's like the kingdom of God is moving forward. I'm building my church and the gates. Do you guys know who's on offense and defense with gates, right? Gates is defense. The kingdom of God is winning. We're going to win we're moving forward. And he's like, even the gates of hell can't prevail. We're taking ground. We're building the kingdom. That's why Jesus in his prayer, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying God's will. We're acting. We're moving in accordance with God's will so that we can see the expansion of the kingdom of God. Generosity is a mindset and a lifestyle. It builds our faith. 
It builds the kingdom and it reflects God's nature. This is, this is how everything in the kingdom of God works. Like, if you want to be loving, you need to receive more love. We love because he first loved us. If you want to have more joy, you, you need to be connected to the vine. You need the Holy Spirit working in you to produce that joy. If you want to be more generous, you have to understand how God is generous towards you. That he lavishes his love on you. That's, that's New Testament language. That, you know, like, abundantly pours it out on you. I love that Philippians 2 says, don't look out for your only, only your interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's a, that's a tough one. Like, the same attitude? I'm just like, what about similar? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, right? Like, that's how we think. We're like, well, just, I'm, I'm kind of like that. But it's like, no, it says have the same attitude of Christ, thinking of others ahead of yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Look out not only for your own interest. See, generosity can mean different things to different people. I would define biblical generosity as a sacrifice for the good of others motivated by love. A sacrifice for the good of others motivated by love. Generosity requires sacrifice. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Gen it's not generosity until it's more than required, right? Because if all you're doing is what is required, that's just responsibility or obedience. You know, if I'm only doing what's expected of me, that's not generous. That's just responsible. That's obedient. Like in my job, if I have a boss who's like, these are your requirements, I'm not a generous employee if I just meet those. Like, I'm generous once I exceed those. Generosity is sacrifice for the good of others, motivated by love. We see that in Jesus. That, I mean, the most famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved. He loved the world in this way that he sent his one and only son. He gave. He gave himself. He gave Jesus, God incarnate. The reason we celebrate this season is that he came to us. That's the generosity of God. He didn't have to. He did it out of love. Jesus, it says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. That he, he was thinking the same way that we're encouraged to think. That this whole thing is patterned after, after God's nature. That generosity is who God is, and because of that is what we get to do. Love causes us to joyfully sacrifice, to look beyond our own need to the needs of others. You know, as we are now in December and Advent is officially here, we're in that Christmas time and, you know, our kids are so excited because it's Jesus's birthday, which means they get presents, which is, you know, different than most birthdays, right? Like most birthdays, you give that person a present and, you know, but in Jesus' birthday, everybody gets presents. We're like celebrating God and his incarnation and his coming to us. But I was thinking, what if we were to give God a present? Like how do you give God a present? Did you know that like there is kind of a way? Matthew 25, Jesus 
is once again sharing this parable and he's talking about sheep and goats. And he's like, at some point, the sheep are going to get separated from the goats. I want to put my sheep on one side and the goats on the other side. And, and he's going to tell the one side, he's like, you, you cared for me. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You gave me food when I was hungry. And he goes on and on. And, and they're like, this is what it says in Matthew 25, verse 37. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry? When, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in, or somebody needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? Like all these things Jesus is saying they did for him. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. And it's like, if I want to think about giving God a present, it's loving the people around me. Because he's like, when you do that, you did it for me. That, like, I, I want to do it just for that person, but I'm even more motivated if I know that like, Jesus receives that as me doing it for him. That, that motivates me in a brand new way. That it's not even just like Christmas time. It's, like, it's not even like, I just want to give you a gift, Jesus, because it's your birthday. It's like, it's God, you gave me everything and I want to give as much as I can back to you. And you're telling me one of the ways I do that is just by caring for people around me. I'm all in. I want, I want to give back to you. We should give to celebrate Jesus' birthday. We should give him our best year round. And see, I don't think generosity is something we don't want to do. You know, I don't think there's anybody in here who, who thinks, like, I, I don't want to be generous. I think most of us would say we want to be generous. I think maybe it's either we don't have those principles we talked about fully ingrained in us, that we trust God as our provider. We just need to grow in that trust. Or maybe, maybe we just need to, to remember and be reminded that everything I have comes from God that I'm a steward, I'm a manager, I'm not the owner. Or maybe, maybe I need to re be reminded that, that I'm called to sow, to give. To be reminded that I'm called to have the attitude of Christ, the same attitude, to think of others' interests and not just my own. I think when I remember those things, it helps me live generously. That it helps me think outside of myself, that I reflect God better when I'm not so consumed with just me. And I think all of us want to grow in that. And so I want to pray for us to grow in that. I want to pray for it to be beyond just something we say we're going to do. I want it to be like the Spirit of God moving in our hearts and minds, that he's giving us both the desire and the ability to follow through on whatever he's speaking to you in this moment. So God, we turn to you and we ask, would you help us to grow in generosity? God, the whole reason we exist as a church is to become more like you and to let other people know your goodness, inviting them into it, God, helping people find hope and take their next step in following you. So God, would you help us to take our next step in generosity, in our giving of finances, in our giving of our time, in our giving of our skills and giftings, God, that we would build your kingdom. God, that we would reflect you better, shine our light brightly. God, that we would, we would just 
be more of who you called us to be, that we'd honor you in this way. Would you help us, God? We can't do it on our own. Would we be good stewards? Would we change our budget? Would we reorganize our calendar in response to what you're speaking to us this morning? It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, we share that famous verse, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. That's, that's a picture of the good news. That's a picture of the gospel. That the good news, the whole reason we gather together as a church is because we've been changed by God. We've been invited and adopted into his family. He's, he's moved us from death to life spiritually. He's given us the promise of heaven and eternity, and he's given us the down payment of his spirit right now. And so if you're here and you've never actually made that decision, you've never received the generosity and the love of God, all you have to do is come acknowledging your need, saying, God, I need that. I don't have what it takes on my own. I've missed your standard. I've missed your mark. I need your spirit inside of me to change me. All you have to do is come and say, God, I need that. I, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord. And it says that he'll save you. He'll give you his spirit. So if that's you today, I want you just to pray that in your own words, in your own heart. Something like this. God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for the ways I've messed up. Would you give me brand new life in your spirit? Thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that you love me. Help me to receive that love from you and become more like you, to live for you from this day forward, to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com give. We hope you have a great week.